0: Welcome back to our third podcast. My name is Coco. And my name is Grace. Today we are going to be joined by two wonderful guests. Let's welcome Michael and Christine. Before we begin, Michael and Christine, would you like to introduce yourselves to our listeners? I can start off. uh, My name is Michael Reeve. I am an environmental scientist, chemist by heart, but I transitioned into the renewables, wind, and solar. And now I work as a generation dispatcher and I oversee grid operations in real time right across the United States.
1: Okay. Um, I'm Christine Eigenmann. I'm originally from Switzerland um, and moved to the US two and a half years ago with my family. I'm actually uh, an economist at the basis. Um, Worked for many years in companies in, in the purchasing and marketing department. So I actually like to sell things and to make projects happen. Um, And then moving here, um, suddenly realized what was going on with the world and what climate change means. And since then became um, a full-time climate activist and and met Mike in the same grassroots organization here in our local town in Hingham.
0: Yeah, we work for an organization or volunteer for climate activist net zero group called Hingham Net Zero. That's really cool. My first question is why should environmental issues be prioritized?
1: Okay, um, Mike and I have been talking about that a little bit and basically I think we have to take this question a step back. Um, We really have to look at it again at what's going on currently and, and that brings me back to climate change. So and, and this sounds not very basic, but I think it's maybe important that we reiterate it. Like the earth has a layer around it, which is called the atmosphere, or you can look at it as a blanket. And that's actually a good thing. And in this blanket, there's different gases, you know, there's oxygen, there's carbon dioxide, there's methane, it's so a good mix of gases. And they protect us from the cold from outer space. So that's a good thing. So now what, but what has been happening since uh, industrialization is that we've been just spewing a lot more gases into the atmosphere, um, which means that this, this natural blanket, which the Earth has, just became thicker and thicker. And which means that the heat, which naturally protects us from the outer space, is more and more trapped, which means that the whole Earth gets warmer and warmer and warmer. And so therefore that has lots of consequences, you know, I mean, if, if the whole, the whole planet with this blanket gets warmer and warmer, the water expands. So like you have sea level rises, you have like whole, the severity of climate events, it becomes uh, more drastic. So like you have suddenly snow in Texas where you should not have it. You have droughts where you usually don't have it. Um, uh, You have all these wildfires. I mean, the whole thing goes crazy. So basically, um, this is at the moment the biggest environmental issue which we have on the surface. It's, it's, it is actually climate change. I would actually call it the climate crisis um, because it is really the crisis uh, because if you don't do anything about it, um, well, like more and more species, more and more species go extinct uh, and eventually us men can't go extinct. Now, the good news about this is, is that it's man made so i mean we're responsible for it so that means as well that we can do something about it that's probably leading then to the other questions which you which you also uh, had which were like okay there's many great new technologies and many renewables so like clean energies which are not fossil fuel led but solar and wind and these kind of things where which don't create more emissions um, and that's basically what I see as the biggest potential now, uh, these days, that, that we really get out of fossil fuel and get, get to the renewables in order to reduce the, these emissions, which make the blanket thicker and thicker every day. So I don't know, this is like really, you know, I, I don't I don't know, I didn't know how much you already know about it, but this is for me the most basic and fast explanation I could have. But may, maybe you have like, you know, you want to add another question or maybe Mike wants to add something to that. I th- I thought about it how
0: best to explain it to maybe my eight year old. And I I think what's happened is since we started to industrialize, we've had an increasing need for energy. So if I look historically back in sort of geologic times, how much carbon dioxide, which is one of the main gases in the atmosphere that surrounds our planet, that traps the outgoing radiation after it comes in from the sun and basically forms the blanket that Christine talks about. Historically, we were at about 280 parts per million, but since we started burning all of these fossil fuels, coal, oil and natural gas to make electricity to let us industrialize and produce all sorts of goods and and fly all around the world and have our motor cars and our trucks and everything, we have now gone up to 400 and 20 parts per million. So 280 up to 420, which is a huge gap. So even even in our sort of lifetimes, I mean, if I go back to the last 50 years, we've gone up about 94 parts per million. If I go back to 2005, we were at 380 parts per million. You can look, and this this is a good lights on for you, Stephen, there's a, a very nice graphic at a website called co2levels.org. And basically it shows a a very flat line for a long, long period of time at 280. And then it suddenly shoots up. And that's the issue. We we are basically putting another layer onto our blanket every few years. And think of a pot of water on the stove. You turn on and start to heat that water. Well, once it approaches boiling point, that water starts to move and bubble and it's at that stage that what scientists have warned at 450 parts per million where we we can go into something that we can't reverse and that's going to have basically a catastrophic change in our climate and everything including us all the species all the animals and us in all of the different countries are going to be really negatively impacted on that but There is good news is that we can actually start to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide and the other greenhouse gases, methane um, and nitrous oxides in the atmosphere that are the gases along with the 80% or so of inert nitrogen that make up the air that we breathe. We can reduce those trapping bad guys um, by changing our behavior and changing how we use energy without changing our lifestyles too much. And the key to that is renewables. So we get, our, we get our energy and our heat from the sun and we're able to use that energy from the sun during the day using solar panels to make electricity. But the sun also warms the planet and creates wind. So we can use indirectly energy from the sun in the form of wind to make electricity. And there's been a lot of scientists working on how do we store energy so that when the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine, we can still keep the lights on. So batteries are starting to to come into their own, not just in cars, but also that utility scale. So we can do something about it and we need to, and we need to do it relatively very soon or else we're going to be carrying out an experiment, not in a in a conical flask or a vial in a, in a laboratory, but we're gonna be conducting this experiment in real time in our, in our real world. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna see, I think we already have seen the really quite drastic effects that can be caused directly from climate change. And that's why we're we're really calling it an emergency now. Um, And I think we're uniting to come together to seek solutions to lower our carbon footprints, both as nations, but also as households, towns, and most importantly, as individuals, because we can all participate in in that change in behaviour to make a difference and make our world a more sustainable more livable place. So we talked about how there's hope for us to reverse the damage that we've done because um, these are man-made like damages and destructions to the planet but realistically at what point do you think this is
1: irreversible? Okay there's different opinions about that like scientists have, have really studied this for a long time. I think they say if you go Beyond, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, if we go beyond heating of plus two degrees Celsius, they consider right. everything irreversible. So, right. but at, the, too- at the moment, right at the moment that we're actually trying, or like as well, the, the Paris Accord tries to actually get us to the uh, heat, uh, heating versus industrial age of plus 1.5 degrees. Right. So, we, will, we might think that 0. 0.5 is not much. But 0.5 is a lot and makes a whole lot of difference. (laughs) So that's what they're saying. And if they say, okay, we have till the next nine years to reduce emissions by 50%, and then till mid-century, so till 2050, um, to really be net zero, meaning that we produce as much as we can actually take up. Or like they can be with technologies, but they they can be also with planting more trees or making the soil uh, more absorbent or whatever. But the the idea being that at that moment, we don't get any extra emissions into the atmosphere.
0: Right, so we're, we're looking for a sustainable level. And the scientific consensus is the planet is sustainable at 350 parts per million. And if you go back to the graphs and you look at what year 350 parts per million was, it was around, 1987, 1988. So we have a a timeline where we believe it's sustainable. But we're at 420 now and heading up to 450 parts per million. And at 450 parts per million, you extrapolate the data out and that equates to a two degrees Celsius increase in global temperatures. So we're approaching that pot of boiling water coming up to a boil and getting out of control. And because carbon dioxide is part of the carbon cycle and there are lots of different processes that are involved in the carbon cycle from photosynthesis to respiration to um, the temperatures that we end up in the world to how much water is trapped in ice in the ice caps to how much carbon dioxide can be trapped in the oceans. Um, so it's, it's, the carbon cycle is a complex cycle, and it's constantly trying to be in equilibrium. So when we make small changes, in that half a degree Celsius change can have huge impacts in, for example, melting perma, permafrost somewhere else in the world, And releasing methane gas which is much more uh, of a heat trapping gas in the atmosphere than carbon dioxide but suddenly we start to interrupt that equilibrium or put things out of sync so our best calculations are is that 350 parts per million is safe 450 parts per million we're in in real danger but we've never done this experiment before do we want to do it and and basically go over the tipping point and have the the ball rolling down uncontrollably down the mountain. And that's the danger. That's the danger that is very, very close. And that's why I think we all need to act and react and change our behaviour and become much more carbon friendly, carbon neutral and bring the carbon dioxide levels down towards 350 parts per million which is sustainable while still maintaining our very good standards of living that we all enjoy.
1: I think one of the questions you had was about the carbon footprint, right? Yes. So, I mean, just adding to what Mike said, I think it would be maybe a good point to mention it here, is like how I see the carbon footprint is how much I as a person, or we as a household, how much carbon uh, dioxide we actually emit with our actions? So, like if I take, um, if I fly back to Switzerland twice a year, that's going to have a huge print. that's going to be a huge carbon footprint because it's it's going to uh, emit a lot of carbon dioxide. If I if I heat if I heat my house and it's not insulated so I heat the the, the air around the house more than the house that's going to have a, a big footprint as well because I, I obviously I emit a lot of carbon dioxide if I have oil or gas heating but if I drive an electric vehicle that's not going to emit as much carbon dioxide because I'm not using Like I'm not tanking it with, um, with gas, but I'm still going to use electricity. And depending on that electricity, where, where it comes from, if it's renewable, then actually that's rather going to reduce my carbon footprint. So it's really like all the, the actions I have, or maybe as well, what I eat, you know, if I eat more meat than, than plants. And so like my whole lifestyle, all this together. Um, you analyze what you what you impact in terms of, 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 of carbon dioxide emissions and that's going to give you a footprint and the footprint can be either a really large foot or it can be a, a small foot and what we find ourselves is that mostly in, in industrialized nations we, we are very privileged and we rather have a, a big footprint because we do lots of things and we have Afford lots of things Um, and but there's like really interesting carbon foot um, uh, like calculators online which maybe afterwards can also share with them Mike you can where you can calculate yourself how big your footprint is and uh, where they also tell you what you can do to reduce it and actually it's not not that difficult I think you just have to start doing less things so fly less for example or um, change your gas car to an electric car or meat, reduce your meat, meat eating habits from eating everyday meat but to just eating once per week meat, for example, or become vegetarian altogether or or reuse reuse your containers instead of always buying new things. There's lots of little things which everybody can do. And if everybody does it, uh, you know, that what what they say is like a one drop can become a huge wave, and you can really start changing things, and that's that's really great. And I'm sure you saw in the news how Exxon and Shell, um, like the big the big fossil fuel or gas companies, how how they now have to change, even though they don't want to, they still don't see that they need to but they're the shareholders. And even um, a, a judge in, in Holland like, was really clear and said, no, now you have to start reducing carbon emissions because you contribute to, to the climate change. So you have to stop change. And that's, that's what gives me trem- tremendous hope, like that every single one of us, if we all start doing, even if it's little things, it's gonna just add up and, and it's gonna help us to turn to turn this thing around. Yeah,
0: um, couple of comments, I, I looked I look at the different grids across the country and I looked at Ontario's grid and they, they have a, a very nice application that you can download onto your phone called GridWatch. And what that does is it breaks up how much energy, kilowatt hours, the whole of Ontario is, is using at any given time, and it tells you where that energy is being generated from. And Ontario, in my opinion, gets a very good grade because it has a lot of nuclear, which is non-emitting, and it also has a lot of hydro, so electricity that's uh, produced from water. And that's because of the surrounding topography and geology that you're able to do that. But it's interesting to look at that program at different times of the day, because this is where a change in our habits can help. Um, there, I know you, you do or have done or still are doing time of use metering where you're incented to use electricity at certain times of the day and it's less expensive at certain times of the day. So when you look at the things that use the most power in your homes, things like electric dryers um, or cooking, little changes, maybe doing your laundry on a a Sunday or drying um, late at night, or if you have a timer drying in the middle of the night. Dishwashers, a lot of new dishwashers now have programmable times on them. So you can set them to run it two in the morning and and you'll find that that actually reduces your carbon footprint a lot because running your dishwasher, peak periods when people are cooking and coming home from work, that's when the, the natural gas plants are running. And that's when the carbon footprint based on burning that methane is the highest. Um, I think the other things that we, we use most are to heat our homes. And there are new technologies, heat pumps, for example, that can replace uh, gas furnaces or oil boilers, gas boilers, to produce the heat that we need to keep ourselves warm. Nobody's saying that we should be cold when it's minus 20 out, we don't want that. But there are things that you can do when it's time to replace mechanical equipment in your homes that will really help to reduce our collective footprints. Um, The other other program that we've looked at is a a calculator and it's called coolclimate.org. There's many if you Google, but this is one that we liked coolclimate.org, and basically that's a program that you input all the types of things that you do on a daily and an annual basis. How much electricity you use, how many miles you drive, what kind of car you drive. Is it an electric car? Because electric cars will really, really reduce your your carbon footprints. The same as if you have a heat pump that produces heat to make your domestic hot water or heat and cool your home. Those are things that will really reduce those numbers. So it's a good exercise to download uh, coolclimate.org and put in the date that you run your analysis for your for your home and your family and then you come up with a number and they'll equate or compare that number to other people or other people from different countries. And then you can change your behavior a little bit. Look at the things that you can do. Um, I I thought of the the top five that I think we can all do. And top of the list is, is an electric car, because that's gasoline, petrol, petroleum, that you're basically eliminating. And if you're charging your car at night, and it's being charged from a hydro and nuclear power plant that has no carbon footprint, then when you use the car to go to the grocery store or go and see your friends, um, that's that's carbon neutral. There's no carbon produced. Um, Use that electric dryer, use the time of use. Don't run it at at peak times. If you can go to an an induction stovetop, there's very little heat that is wasted because induction stovetops heat the pan which heats the water for your pasta or your rice. So that's a way of not uh, putting extra heat into your house. Um, The other other thing that's interesting uh, is thinking of all the devices that you have in your home that are on all the time, because that actually, when you add them up because they're on 24 seven, it adds up to a lot of kilowatt hours. So if you can turn things off um, or have them on timers, again, you'll, you'll find that when you put the numbers through into a sort of carbon calculator, that that, it, that really helps a lot as well. So those are, those are some of the things that I think we can we can change um, in, in our lifestyle, as well as encouraging um, wind and solar development. That is the answer. We have free energy from the sun 24-7, 365, somewhere on planet Earth. The sun is shining, um, and we have the ability to to tap that with with solar modules. And likewise, wind—you know, tremendous amount of wind power, whether it's tidal or off offshore by the lakes or up in the mountains on the ridges—we have a tremendous ability to tap that power. And then the the job of the grid operators to bring that power to us reliably.
1: Um, oh, I, f- I think you—we uh, have forgotten about one S as- big of power, I would say, as wind and solar. And that's the power of your own voice, of speaking up, of telling your community or your town or your legislator um, to do something or like to elect people which support um, climate action, um, especially if you can already vote. I I think you, I don't know at which which age you can vote in Canada. Um, In Switzerland, we can vote with 18. Uh, So that's a tremendous opportunity and responsibility as well because then you 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 really have you tell the people what you want and you you hold them accountable for what what actually what they are elected for and that's what we've now seen as well here in Hingen, Mike right we really made made sure that on town meeting now this town finally will establish a climate action plan and that people are elected which are going to change which kind of electricity we're buying um, which are going to get out of fossil fuels And that's what I've discovered. And it took me a long time to discover that. Okay, I'm now like 44 years old. But I really discovered here in the U.S. that using this tremendous power which we have, which is speaking up and making others realize and talking to your friend, talking to your neighbor, talking to people and making them aware of it is one of the biggest powers we have and something... Which can change our climate probably as fast as the new technologies, or so like together we probably can can make this happen. And this we should never underestimate how much a single person can change in this in this world by just speaking up.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Christine. I mean, the, the scientists have been telling us this for many years, and. They've been right, the data shows that, but it's not just the scientific decisions and scientific data that's driving this. It's the politics and not just in Ontario or Massachusetts, it's the politics around the world, global politics. The toolbox is there, there's no question. We have the tools in the toolbox to fix this. And through advocacy and and standing up, standing out, social media, talking to friends, uh, writing letters, talking to politicians and and basically applying the uh, applying the pressure to direct the tr- the change that's needed is so so important in this battle it really is i can't underscore that enough i mean your podcast is
1: i mean look yeah. at you guys yeah. Yeah. this is just yeah. amazing it's just yeah. really amazing and and you know i i i wish that when i was younger i had realized this already and had had the courage to do that. It's really, really great what you're doing. And it's so important as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it's great that you're doing it with other schools. It's not just the schools in Markham. It's, it's across, across Ontario. Yeah. Well, thank your you guys so much. The longest thing you have. Yeah. <laughs> and that concludes our podcast for today. Thank you to everyone that is listening for taking the time out of your day to learn more about the environment and what you can do to help. Stay tuned for our final podcast. We'll, we challenge you to make a difference around you. Send us a DM at TogetherByJA on Instagram telling us what you did to take care of the environment. Bye for now. <clears throat>